Hello, friends. Welcome to Josiah Venture Stories. You will hear incredible stories of life change from the mission field and be inspired by the movement of God in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Rob Chestnut, and I'm so excited to share today's conversation with you. Today on the show is Dr. David Van Dyke, or DVD. He serves as Director of Marriage and Family Therapy Program and Associate Professor of Marriage and Family Therapy at Wheaton College. His areas of expertise are working with adolescents and their families and integration of Christian faith and systems thinking. He's also a Fulbright Scholar in Hungary, and he's also started With You Projects with his wife, Tara. It aims to strengthen the understanding of life's big transitions and learning better skills for healthy connection. DVD has spent time each year in Prague where he supervised, trained, and consulted with mental health professionals from nine Central and Eastern European countries. This is Hungary, Czech Republic, Slovenia, Slovakia, Romania, Ukraine, Croatia, Bulgaria, and Serbia. He also developed a post-master's certificate in marriage and family therapy that's culturally appropriate for Central and Eastern European professionals and meets EU regulations, which is set to launch summer 2024. In his personal time, he likes traveling, and being with his family, kayaking with his wife, and also exploring family history. DVD, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. This is so exciting. That's a lot, man. That is, I have never had to read an intro of that magnitude <laughs> Wow. Oh. That guy sounds impressive. Actually, we're out of time. That's yeah, well, this has thing. been great. Thanks for having fun. me. Hey, so we're here in the Czech Republic. You're yeah. here with me. We, in the same room. In the same room. We actually met in Prague. We did. Uh, in March of this last year. And yet now here we are. Uh, tell me, like, well, people probably want to know, uh, how did we get to this point? Yeah, bad life choices, I think, is the starting spot. No, uh, we sat in a hotel room after you heard me speak. Mm -hmm. And you said, hey, we need 10-minute meeting because we both were running to other meetings. It's like, can you... Can you really come and maybe have a conversation with us in fall conference? And I'm like, I don't know what fall conference is. I don't know what who we are. And maybe we can talk later. And then we we met up later and you explained what JV is, what you all do. And it sounded like a good fit for kind of where God has me and the passions that I have. And here we are. I felt the exact same way. And again, I find myself just in awe that we've made it to this point with all the Zoom meetings and emails and things behind the scenes. But the reason I asked you is because, yes, this area of expertise that you have. So uh, tell us a little bit about um, how long have you been a professor of marriage and family therapy at Wheaton College? In fact, what is marriage and family therapy? Great question. Yeah, I've been at Wheaton for 12 years. I've been teaching at the doctoral and master level for 24 years, but the last 12 years have been at Wheaton. Marriage and family therapy, everybody thinks it's pretty straightforward. You work with marriages and families. It's a little bit different. It's a way of thinking about change, thinking about health. And for me, it fits really well with the gospel. So marriage and family therapy is a relational way of thinking about problems and about healing. And if you think about it that way, all of scripture is a relationship story. Mm. It's how we're made for intimacy. We violated it. Jesus comes, repairs, gives us a possibility for new relationships. That's the model of what we get to do as marriage and family therapists. And I mean, just, just that snippet alone in and of itself, because uh, again, I got to watch you in action doing some of this and just went, oh, 
this is the kind of guy we need, uh, <laughs> even though we weren't even sure where we were going to go. But that's the best part of it. And then, uh, I mean, even to hear you explain a little bit of that, that even spills directly into that, the With You projects yeah. that you decided to do with your wife. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this one. I'm loading, I'm, again, I just want to keep talking about all the stuff you've done. Oh, well, that's great. Because that intro wasn't long enough. Yeah, we need, we need to bore people a little bit longer. Definitely. So With You projects, we started that partly as a empty nester project. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have four kids, they're all in their 20s, and we did a really good job, or at least enjoyed, I don't know, the, the proof will be when they're adults. They're not here to bat, they're yeah, not here yeah, to, yeah, yeah. they can so neither they, confirm nor deny. They turned out amazing. Excellent. So we, we enjoyed parenting together. Once the kids left home, we were like, huh, uh, we have to find new things to do together. And so we thought, let's give birth to a podcast. <laughs> and it really came from our students' suggestions. So uh, teaching at Wheaton, we have probably about 30% of my students are international students. And they're like, we like hearing your voice. It helps put us to sleep. Could you do something where we could hear you on a regular basis? And it's like, oh, a podcast would work. And so Tara and I, uh, Tara's a doula, she's my wife, I'm a marriage and family therapist. We like thinking mm -hmm. across all of life transitions from dating to marriage to, well, friendship, dating, marriage, uh, childbirth, raising young kids, raising teenagers, sending them off, dealing with in-laws, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, there's different relational tasks. And she and I both have different skill sets around that. She's a doula, so she's about the birth. I'm a marriage and family therapist, so how to... Sure. be in relationship, how to make babies. I don't deal with the coming out babies mm -hmm. uh, and then how to parent them. Uh, and so that's, that's the topics that we talk about. It's all relationship focus and uh, it's, it's a ton of fun. So as we think about, you know, our focus is, you know, we, we're dealing with the kids after the birth and then a little bit later on. Yeah. Uh, so when you think of some of those big life transitions for young people in particular, like what, what are you experiencing? What are you seeing in those? Yeah, it's and it's changed over time. So back in the early 90s, I was able to do some youth ministry and we got into youth ministry because there's something really exciting about that stage of life. And not a lot of people feel that way. So we're all youth ministry people are all broken in the same way that <laughs> we we like chaos. Uh, we think chaos provides opportunity for growth. And for me, I think that's the life transition of where the kids go. Uh, our kids were about eight. Like I would love the smell, the new baby smell when mm -hmm. babies come out. I love the new baby smell. Mm -hmm. And then they get just kind of a neutral smell. And then around age eight or nine, very smelly, they smell like they they're off, yes. you know, like the, the vegetable drawer, you haven't been paying attention to it yes. in your fridge. And it's just like, Ooh, that's not right. I have a 10 and a seven year old and there are single pairs of socks that we just, I think we just throw away every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we start really appreciating deodorant Absolutely. and showering and, uh, <laughs> but you start noticing that and then you start noticing the changes that are happening and how they think they have to go different schools and adjust there. There's just lots of transitions that middle schoolers, I don't know what it's called in central and Eastern Europe in the U S it's middle schoolers, but okay. that grade six, seven, eight, mm -hmm. um, they have everything changing thought, friendship, school bodies, and they're open to try different things for me that's a fun space. And I think those are the transitions that we get an opportunity in the chaos to step in and come alongside mm -hmm. and see new things develop. With adults, it's a lot harder sure. because adults get in stuck in their ways and I have to like break them down. 
uh, before and create a little bit of chaos before they're willing to change. Adolescents are ready. And so I get, I get excited about it. I mean, as we're talking, I'm like, I don't think I answered your question, but I love, <laughs> I love adolescence and I'm just going to talk about what I'm interested in. Well, but I mean, that's why we had you here. So I, and I think it's a mass benefit for us too. Cause as you even said, when we were talking, what is the actual age range of like teenagers, adolescents? There's a difference. I was surprised by this fact. Yeah. It's, it's about 12 to 25. Wow. Uh, and the literature is really pretty robust that way. And, and there's different ways of measuring adolescence. You can do it kind of biologically, and that's the 12 to 25. Mm -hmm. You can do it when you're financially self-reliant, mm -hmm. and that's, I think, in the U.S., 34. Mm -hmm. um, and then there is uh, just the age range of a teenager, 13 to 19. Sure. But the reason it's 25 is because your brains aren't fully functioned in the executive functioning until then. Oh, so this explains why I wasn't able to rent a car for such a long time. That's right. The car rental facility understands neurobiology. Actually, <sighs> actually, they understand actuarial tables. And there's lots of accidents before 25. So uh, the, the that last word you said, I know I speak English, but I've never heard that one before. Uh, actuary tables? Actuarial tables, and yeah. So, and what, what does that? That's just, you look and see all the accidents that happen and how much money it costs the company. Oh, and so it's a money thing. Oh, so that's just, this is just side info for people that are wondering. Yeah, okay. that's well, just, it's, it's nothing to, other than they see all the accidents and that leads to the idea that, oh, there's judgment issue. You run into things rather than you're like, oh, I can jump that bridge. And you probably shouldn't in the rental car. Well, that's just a shout out to all the analysts that are listening to uh, the JV Stories podcast. It's pretty fantastic <laughs> if you ask me. So here's, here's what we always want to know. I, I think as youth, people ourselves and youth leaders youth workers that sort of thing i usually find we're in this space because we had a youth worker or someone at one of those key development stages especially in the teenage range yeah. who took interest in us who wanted to know about us who cared about us yeah and and ultimately that's what led us to this place of saying, Ooh, I want to be like them and I want to do what they do. Who are those people for you? Yeah. The first one to come to mind is Bob. We'll call him Bob. Okay. And Bob worked at a camp. He was a counselor and, uh, he came alongside me and I was dealing with a death and my, my sister died. Mm -hmm. And so I was at 14 biology was changing. I was talking like this <laughs> and growing and, um, all sorts of change. And then having having a loss, uh, really shook me and really kind of just going, wanting to take care of it myself. I went to a Bible camp in Western Michigan and Bob was a counselor there and he just sat with me, um, let me cry, let me rage as youth ministers do mm -hmm. of just giving you space to be. And he did that really well. Um, and turned my heart towards Jesus again, uh, where I was pretty angry, pretty hurt, and he didn't freak out about it. Mm. He just leaned into it with me um, and was willing to give advice once I started asking for it. But before then, he just sat with me and uh, found out he was a Wheaton College student, and that got that introduced me to Wheaton. So I can see the track of my life mm. and where I am now uh, was really important in terms of youth minister coming alongside me and my suffering and being with me. And now I, now I get to pass it forward. I have a career where I get to do that. And, um, it's pretty powerful. And, and what was the process that led you into that space of deciding to be a therapist and even moving in that field? Oh, so I graduated from Wheaton college in, uh, 
in psychology and what do you do with a BA in psychology? So I volunteered at the hospital, washing people's bodies and, you know, fun stuff that's really psychologically oriented. Very. Um, dealing with catheters, lots of fun. Ugh. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, makes you kind of cringe. Uh, and so I was doing that, I'm like, I'm not doing this for a living, what in the world? And the nursing staff didn't kind of want to do their job. So they're like, well, we have this family group, why don't you run it? I'm a 22 year old, I'm like, sure. I can run a family therapy group. And so without any skill or training other than a BA in psychology, I, I ran a family group and oh. realized, well, this is interesting. And then I had a teenage boy I was working with. We'll call him for fun, Rob. Uh, we Appropriate. had, yeah, we had, he was 16. He was suicidal. He was inpatient hospital. I worked with him. I did some clinical training, uh, clinical work with him, and he got better, and it was exciting. Mm. And he left, and then nine months later, he came back because he had made a serious attempt to kill himself. Mm. And my first response was, what the heck is wrong with you, Rob? Uh, really good clinical response, uh, yeah. super. And he's like, David, you don't understand what you and I did, it works in this situation, but then I went home and mm -hmm. it didn't work anymore. And I got pulled back into the old patterns. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I was like, oh, it's not just the choices we make, but it's the context that we're in that mm -hmm. shapes our internal life. And I was like, is there a field that addresses this? And it was marriage and family therapy. And I ended up from there, thanks to Rob, uh, I found Fuller Seminary's program and I went there and uh, just fell in love because before I was a horrible student. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to go to school again. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in school every day. And you probably seems like it, you'll never get out of it. Almost. Oh, I'm never graduating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Nope. I'm never graduating. I'm going to die in my office. Well done. Well done. Indeed. It's, it's interesting for me to hear this side of your story and to see the impacts of others and then now also to see your heart for others uh you know specifically like we said at the top of the show uh, we invited you here uh, to lead our mental health conference and so you recently spoke at our fall conference uh, it's called lifeline first responders and the anxious generation and, right. and we recognize that as youth workers um let me just ask this question. How long did you have to go to school to get all of that information and understanding? I finished school when I was 31. And you, and you started when, when you were, I started when I was five. Oh man. And how long also <laughs> so that's, then that's 26 years of schooling, right? 26 years of schooling. And then you've also been practicing and I've been teaching. I've been a professor for 24 years. So again, this level of experience and understanding of other people and those dynamics, all those life changes, et cetera. All uh, of a sudden, as we're talking, I'm starting to feel old <laughs> back in my day. Well, for what it's worth, you we did, wrote prescriptions on stone. I don't want to throw you under the bus, but you did make a family circus reference. <laughs> so I do feel like, <laughs> well, that's fair. And you're like, people don't know what a comic strip uh, is. No one here understands uh, printed words anymore. No, it's fine. It's fine. No, but it's interesting just because you've had that amount of time and schooling and whatever else. And we recognize uh, from where we sit as youth workers here in Central and Eastern Europe, there's no way we can do that. There's, right. there's no way we can put all of that and then be out there for this anxious generation that we're interacting with. So the idea behind conference was one of, okay, I don't want to say what's the most bang for our buck. That's the wrong attitude, but yeah. it's more of 
what are the key skills yeah. that we actually need to comprehend and understand? Because it's not just information. If we learn everything about mental health, then we'll be able to deal with people around us. Yeah. Yeah, no. Nope. No, we need to actually be able to, and not deal, but to have compassion and care yeah. for the person who is right in front of us at that exact moment when they're hurting. Like you said, you've got 10 minutes before their mom comes to pick them up after youth group. And that's when they decide they want to drop the biggest, most important thing of their entire life. Yeah. And you got to figure out what to do in that moment. That's right. And you don't have any training as a, a youth minister. Exactly. Exactly. To care for that. So in a nutshell, if we can, over the course of conference, you've explained these kind of four key points. Could you walk us through and walk the listeners through these four key yeah, points? Yeah, basic basic skills that you need to not do clinical work, but maybe be that bridge uh, between pain and and the professional. And that bridge is really ministry of care, ministry of presence, mm -hmm. uh, listening, mm -hmm. questioning, and kingdom resources. And so those four skills, if you have those, you're going to be able as a youth minister to enter into the spiritual life, the relational life, the emotional life, mm -hmm. uh, and the behavioral life of the child and the, the teenager um, in ways when there's crises that can stabilize and get ready to then move to the next level of care if needed. So let's let's break each one of these down here just a little bit. So first off, that ministry of presence. What what does that mean? What what does that look like in action? Yeah, ministry of presence is a, is we see it in the story of Jesus, Matthew twenty six in Gethsemane. Of mm -hmm. he invites his closest friends, James, Peter, and John, to sit with him and bear witness of the suffering that he's going through because he just says he's broken. He's uh, anguished and is just crying out to the father in such painful way. And he wants his friends to be there and bear witness. Now that doesn't change anything of the situation that his death is imminent. That's the cup he has to bear. Mm -hmm. And yet he wants his friends to be present with him. And so, uh, ministry of presence is entering into that suffering. Now they didn't do so great uh, in bearing witness. They mm -hmm. fell asleep. He right. said, Hey dudes, can you, can you stay up for at least a couple of minutes? And they're like, yeah. And he goes back and does it again, falls asleep that yada, yada, yada. He gets arrested. Um, and that's Matthew 26. But for us, the ministry of presence is the youth is struggling. Can we sit with them? Mm. Uh, just like Bob did with me sitting on a rock in a camp and there's nothing he needs to do other than be with me and witness that, then what's happening for me isn't just an internal experience from me, internal experience for me, mm -hmm. but it's a shared experience that has meaning. And someone being there, being able to just be present and bear witness, uh, creates a, a sense of relief mm -hmm. for the sufferer. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the quick and dirty ministry of presence. I think it's fantastic. You you also gave the illustration uh, of Job and his friends. Oh yeah, that's a, a good one. As a, another example of what not to do. <laughs> there's there's quite a few things of what not to do. <laughs> yeah. But you said at the beginning they they really do it well. Yeah, they did, and then and then their anxiety got the better of them, and they mm -hmm. had to explain it away, and they leaned heavily on what was culturally and religiously true mm -hmm. proverbs of if something happens then it must be your sin so they went from being quiet and sitting with joe bearing witness to then uh trying to make meaning and say well you know i'm pretty sure you sinned and there's like what 38 chapters of the arguments but i did not send yes you did no i didn't 
back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth. And uh, God eventually goes, you know, you guys should have just stayed quiet uh, because this is bigger than Job or you all. Absolutely. I, 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 I love the fact that you've highlighted that this is a practice, uh, that this is actually something you need to do and that you even had us practice this as well in yeah. conference. How did you do, Rob? I did not do great. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I, I have a, a terrible fear of silence to begin with. I mm. think that's why I've been uh, blessed with this gift of gab, if you will. None of my friends believe that, uh, or my wife. But <laughs> no, it's, it, it was just real funny to kind of, th- you think in your mind, oh, I can do this. Sure. And then you are put into the situation and suddenly it's like, Wait, I don't, I just, but yeah. Oh, and two minutes felt like an eternity. Well, doing is so much easier than being. And it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem that hard of like, well, I can, I can be with you. Sure. But as you say, it stirs up things like the silence all of a sudden brings up all our pains, all our things that we keep quiet. I'm a lot like you, Rob. So when, when, (laughs) when silence happens, then all the voices in my head start to get louder for sure. And I'd rather drown them out. And then having someone sit with me or me try to sit with them with all the voices in my head, I need to do something with those voices before I can do the ministry of presence. Okay. So ministry of presence. Well, I just want to say, I don't have actual voices in my head. That's the metaphor. (laughs) I'm I'm just like, uh Oh, David's hearing voices. We've got the psycho guy here. I mean, uh, sorry, the, the, the psychiatrist. No, no, he's just a therapist. Just yeah, a therapist. yeah, just a, okay. just a therapist. We've got to clarify that one yes. for the listeners. Yes. Uh, okay, so after a ministry of presence, we moved into uh, part two that, again, I think I did great in, yeah. which is- Active listening. Active listening. Tell us a little bit about this active listening. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to demonstrate on a podcast because it's about body position. It's about eye contact. Am I, am I giving you the full attention? So right now, you're probably listening to us on a phone- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on a mobile device or on a computer, that's going to distract you from other things that are around you. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not help in active listening. So mm. listening to us and doing active listening, you can't do the both. Gotcha. Uh, so you need to put aside technology. You need to put aside distractions. And it's about being fully present and then listening to your words and your body language. So like right now, you dozing off as I talk. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm listening to both you saying wonderful words and then falling asleep while we're sitting here. So rude. Yeah. So I want to attend to both of those things. What what I think was great was, okay. And so that's, that's number two. <laughs> that's number two. That's number two, which again, number I did, two. I did great with uh, yes. in the practice. Rockstar. Absolutely. Top of the class. And then number three, Number three, so many questions. So many questions. But again, this picture of like, you're with someone, then you're listening to them, then you talk on like point number three. Again, this is just not commonplace. No, because we like to try to solve things. We try to fill the space Mm -hmm. um, to kind of avoid. Sure. So we use words to avoid. Questions are not about information gathering. Questions are about moving mm. uh, both of us to a new understanding. Mm-hmm. And so there's direct questions. Um, are you okay right now, Rob? That's a close-ended question. I almost started to answer. It. I was like, oh, wait, we're recording. <laughs> no, no, Let's no, not no. do this. <laughs> no, no. But that's a type of, it's a yes, no question. Sure. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. So that's yes, a, I, I am okay, everyone. Yes. yes. No need to call authorities. Why are you blinking really flat, fast to the there's producer? No no Everything's fine. Uh, then there's the open-ended questions. Uh, how would you feel better today? 
Mm-hmm. And that's a, so it's mm-hmm. not how uh, I can't are give you that a yes or no. Right. Right. Uh, it's kind of leading you to share, share more. Their circular question, Gwen, how do you think Rob is doing? And so we ask the producer how she thinks you're doing and we get a sense of relationship of how mm-hmm. attuned they are. And oh man, some interesting hand signals. I don't quite know what those mean. Um, I think he's supposed, I think you're supposed to steal third base is what it looks like for that's a what, baseball that, that's reference. That's what I got. That's yeah, what I got. She's giving them signs. Let's go Mets. That's right. Let's go Mets uh, or Detroit Tigers. Either one. Oh, wow. Spend way too much money and not get any product. Well, there we go. So Sports. we have, we have circular questioning uh, and then we have hypothetical questioning. Uh, I, I wonder, and it's usually, I wonder, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder what you need right now. Mm. And it's a, it's an indirect way of offering space for you. And so it's not, Hey, what do you need right now? Mm-hmm. Cause that's a little more intrusive of, I, I wonder what you need right now mm-hmm. is an invitation to go deeper, but it's not a, an intrusive experience. So we have being with each other. We have, uh, listening and really understanding what they're saying and what what people and teens are saying underneath mm-hmm. by their mm-hmm. nonverbals, and then we can kind of ask questions to move each other in relationship to a deeper space. I think it's incredible, and I I, I want to just share with all the listeners that every time DVD and I would have uh, a meeting, which was nine out of ten times, way 99. too 9, way too many times, way too many times, but and also always on Zoom. Yeah, uh, but you end every time asking me. A question yeah and i think it's just one of the most like i, I would love for you to ask so, this question so others can use it as well so this is a question of attunement okay from bader and pearson and it is rob what would make you feel more loved valued or appreciated today wow i mean what like that every time you'd hit us with it and it was just like whoo i i hang up the call and i would just be like Man, I feel I feel seen. I feel acknowledged. People wanted, to, and it wasn't this fluffy uh, man. Yeah, and and there was there's not a requirement that I have to do that. Exactly, but attunement is I want to be in the same space. I want to be with you and wherever you are. And mm-hmm. I might my my response might be, man, I want that for you too. Right. And so it's just empathy, or it could be like, okay, uh, that makes sense. I'm there with you and. Sure. Let's move on. Or it's like, Hey, yeah, I can do that. So it frees up the the listener to give you lots of different things. But the main point is, are we on the same page with where you are and what you need? Oh, so good. So good. Meant the world to me every single time. I honestly looked forward to it even. Um, okay. So then number four, number four, kingdom resources, kingdom resources. Yeah. It's a little of, well, and I think Josiah venture does this well in four missions of it's the training on spiritual discipline, mm-hmm. and spiritual direction. And it's, it's thinking about, uh, prayer. So we, right. uh, we often talk about a dysregulation and a kingdom resource is this way of settling our body. And so doing a breath prayer where you breathe in the name of God and you sit and talk of like, what, what name of God really kind of is powerful to you right now in this mm-hmm. season of life? God is my comforter, mm-hmm. uh, might be it. And so as I breathe in for four, uh, beats and praying, God, my comforter. And then as I exhale, it's whatever I want to say to him, request praise of give me strength, uh, revive me, uh, free me, help. Mm. And there's this thing that happens in our body that 
this prayer, this interaction with God is not just a cognitive, emotional, but it's a physical thing. And we have regulation, our heart rate slows, our breathing slows. Mm. And so there's a healing that happens in that, that then I can embrace the deeper things that are going on. So there's the prayer life and there's lots of prayer lives. There's prayer journaling. There's lots of disciplines that I think the historic church and JV highlight in terms of the spiritual discipline around prayer. There's meditation Mm -hmm. um, of being able to kind of meditate on God's word, thinking about if I'm anxious, uh, cast my cares upon him. And I can just kind of think about that. What does that look like? Visualizing that, closing my eyes and seeing my anxieties. What does it look like? Mm. How do I present them at the foot of the cross to Jesus, uh, whatever that visualization is, and I feel it in my body of, I can kind of let go of that. Yeah. Um, there's uh, journaling, there's worship, corporal, corporate worship, mm-hmm. individual worship, um, and then the the reading of God's word, because he speaks to us, are we listening? Um, I love uh, Liviu Mokan is a Romanian, Yes. artist yes and uh has has a book that is uh open pages made out of brass and it goes up uh i forget how high it's all important every okay. part of it's important but it calls it the book that sees us uh and uh, the book that reads us and there's eyes instead of text on each page mm. and as we look into scripture we see who god is and we see who we are in relationship to god and so scripture isn't just hearing God's word description of him, but it reads us. Uh, we can learn about who we are, who we're meant to be. Um, and that's that's healing. That is, uh, I love that picture. And I think that's, again, why we came back to this topic. And w- what I want to impress upon everybody is when we as an organization said, hey, we want to try and conquer this mental health crisis. I mean, first off, we recognized immediately we cannot conquer this. Yeah, I was like, that's weird terminology. Yeah, like, that's we're gonna wrong. We're going to conquer mental health. We got it figured. Uh, <laughs> but just it, it, it was, it, I'm reminded of the quote of like, God, you know, the ocean is so big and my boat is so small. Yeah. And that's how we felt, I think, in the midst of this this sea of anxiety, depression, self-harm, all these different issues that are attacking young people today. And honestly, trying to figure out how on earth do we even begin? What do we even do? And I think our initial response is, again, one of, well, if I just learn all the information about everything about anxiety, everything about depression, I'll be able to manage this stuff. And what I was so thankful for is when we sat down in that hotel room in Prague, I was like, this is what we're thinking. And you're like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> this is actually what you need to do. Yeah. And in the moment, you're just kind of like, wait, what? And then when you actually get to experience it and be yeah. a part of it, you recognize that, oh, what people desperately want is to be loved and acknowledged and to have someone sit with them in the midst of whatever is going on in their life and to listen to what they have to say, to ask them questions. And then in that space, you have this opportunity to point them towards the father and give them some opportunity. It's not one of trying. And that's what I love about this was it's not some secret formula of this is, and this is how we're going to fix people. Yeah. If you said it once, you said it 10 times of like this, this doesn't solve the problem. No. And the reality is none of you are going to be able to be therapists, but you can be a lifeline to individuals in, again, that 10 minute window before their mom comes and picks them up 
And like you also said, these are skills. We have to practice these things. You can't yeah. just do them automatically. And not be afraid of relational science. Right. So there's, you know, the the thing that I get to do and I think maybe might have been a scary thing for you as you go, well, maybe we should have David, mm -hmm. um, is that the general revelation that we have of relational science and what we need as human beings to be connected, to be mm. securely attached, the research that we have to show that it's meaningful connection that helps us emotionally regulate mm. um, that isolation, whether it's through technology in our cell phones or through COVID, that isolation is poison and we're seeing the effects of it and we're gonna see the long range effects of it mm. in terms of emotional dysregulation, social anxiety, these type of things that we can lean into the general revelation of what skills we have as clinicians yeah. to be helpful. And that does not negate the sufficiency and the fullness of scripture and the vital need for Jesus in our lives, yeah. our physical health. And I, I talk with my friends and uh, people that really struggle with how do we reintegrate faith and science uh, that you don't necessarily say, I want a biblical surgeon to replace my knee. Um, <laughs> exactly. I have never heard that. And yet I always hear, I need a biblical counselor to really deal with my suffering. Mm. And there's this kind of disconnect, almost, shall we say, Gnostic, mm. that the spiritual relational life is separate from the body. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we really need to kind of reconsider that of we see Jesus doing relational things that map on uh, or that provide us truth that we see the science map onto mm -hmm. uh, that yes, the ministry of presence, bearing witness, being with people, seeking secure attachment, all of those things mm. are seen in the life of Jesus. And we have a science that has been looking at exactly how. Absolutely. But I, I love that you were able to draw out that image even of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Yes. Because you see him, you know, he, what does he do first? Well, he gets close to the two that are walking, yep. right? He and approaches them. He approaches them. He's listening to them. Yeah. Well, he engages. He's like, what's up? Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. And then they, and then they start telling him like, where have you been? Can you, you know, where, like, didn't you know all these things that happened? And then he starts asking, like, that's how he asks the questions to engage once he starts to listen, and then inevitably points them towards the Father yep. in those kingdom resources. I mean, that that picture, again, the simplicity of it, and the fact, too, that he's doing this as he's going with them. You know, it's it's this idea, as we talk about discipleship here in JV, it's like, as you're going, you know, along yeah. the way, you know, at, make disciples as you go, be with people as you go. One of the things I've been most thankful for in the midst of this conference is to hear people come up and say, this is going to change the way I interact with my students, but also this is going to change the way I interact with my wife. This mm. is going to change the way I interact with my kids. Yeah. Uh, the, the simplicity of it is so profound, and yet the depth at which it plums is even more profound. To yeah, me it's personally. so cool, isn't it? Right. I mean, there's some, and in science, it's that way a lot. It's like, duh. It's like, oh, yeah. we're going to do a study, duh. Yeah. But then when we live it out, it's like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. Look at the amazing, outrageous love of God mm. uh, that he loved us so much that mm. he sent his son and, and didn't just leave it there. Right. But enters in, walks right. with us, sends us the Holy Spirit. We're not alone. We're being walked with by the Father through the Spirit. We're with each other. That's why we have the church. Right. And mental health professionals. 
Which we can be part of the body. I might just be this little piece of skin on the elbow, but I'm still part of the body of Christ. You guide us along the way. You can't bend your elbow without me. That's true. That's true. You can't lift these things. Yeah. Not going to work. Not nope. going to work. Nope. Uh, I just want to say thanks personally for all the amount of time and effort you've put into this to, to give us this content, but also really just to bring us along in your journey. I think one of the really cool things uh, I've heard from, again, multiple people was this aspect of like, oh, he gets us. Mm. And that just means so much to young people today to have someone come alongside and be like, oh, he gets us. Yeah. And the the lengths at which you've gone to build relationships with people here and also with our organization, it's just going to be, uh, I'm so excited to see all this in action as we have a ministry of presence, as we listen better, as we ask questions, and as we engage in those kingdom resources. Mm, so, so good. And dude, I, I'm glad that we're starting a relationship and get to continue it. Absolutely. That's the best part. So we always ask this same question. Uh, what advice would you give to young people today? Take as much time as you need to think through this. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm better if I just speak without thinking, <laughs> uh, although Tara says that's not the case. Mm. Um, I think it's important. Your phone technology is important. It's sure. a great tool. Uh, it's not the solution to your anxiety. It's not the solution to intimacy. It's not solution to communication. Mm. Um, there's information you can get from it. But there's something about being in the room together. There's something about being able to uh, shake hands, to have a hug, to have a meal, to be face-to-face. -face. I think that the screen face-to-face -face is, uh, is a substitute for the actual face-to-face. -face. Mm. And I like to think about Moses of where um, we can't see the face of God. That intimacy is too much. So he was hidden in the crevice of the mountain. Mm. But in Revelation, uh, we will be fully known and we will see him face to face. Mm. There's this aspirational, and I think we can really make it accessible to the teenagers. I wouldn't say it this way to the teens. Sure, of course. Um, this is more the thought, but it's just like, hey, we need to be in the same space at the same time together. Right. Um, that's, right. that's the advice I'd give to the teens. The reason is that I think that's the intimacy that we see from God with us, that we are not full, uh, until we have that level of int intimacy of being fully known, fully mm -hmm. vulnerable. And the intimacy of face to face is a theme through scripture in our relationship with God. It's too much. And yet in the future, it'll be aspirational. That'll be fulfilled. And so in the moment as teens, yeah, do face-to-face -face time, mm. not FaceTime, face-to-face time. It's so true though. I mean, I, I think of, and I've said this multiple times and I've, it was definitely one of those I'm getting older moments for what it's worth, but it was the reality. No, you look uh, at least 47. Okay. Well, we're all out of time. Everybody. <laughs> so, uh, this has been fun. Yeah, no, but it thank was, you it, very much. It was, it was the aspect of recognizing, I don't remember a single youth group message. Yeah. And I'm a pastor's kid. I was in youth group even when it was just me and my brother and the leader. I remember no messages nope. that the leader ever gave, but I remember the time. I remember the time Buddy Coldmary spent with me. Isn't that amazing? It is. It absolutely is. It's that core memory. Yeah. And it's the same for other students as well, too. It's not the answers that I have or the things. It's the time spent with them regardless of whatever the topic was. And it just, man. We are made for relationship. We are made for relationship. And the time of transitions are fun ways to revisit that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 
I know it's a dangerous thing. You host a podcast, so you you're very used to this format and can definitely keep going. Yep. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners or anything else along that line? If you like my voice, listen to with you podcast. I'll promote our podcast is that our first i think it's our first plug of a podcast on our <laughs> podcast maybe this is uh that's that's the first i'll you know what i'll allow it I'll okay allow it. thank you yes it's only the second you're I've totally posted. gonna fix that in post aren't you <laughs> we may we may edit this edit this for length sorry yeah. no sorry. the only thing i have to say is it's it's fun to share knowledge that i have that can be a ripple effect mm. and i'm changed by it and i think that's important to think about for Sometimes you think speakers just come in, drop a hand grenade and leave. Right. Um, it's, it's about relationship. And this is, uh, this is a start of a beautiful relationship. Oh, buddy, I couldn't agree more. And I just wanted to say again, thanks so much for all you brought to the JV world. Thanks for what you brought to so many young people's lives. Thanks for what you brought to my life. I mean, really, honestly. Yeah, I love you, brother. I love you too, dude. And uh, this has been the best. And so DVD, thanks so much for your time your love, your care for all of us over here in Central and Eastern Europe. I know you're coming back, so that's the best part. You feel like you're over here every six months anyway. That's right. I should probably get citizenship. Hey, we'll, we'll look into it. I, all right. I, I can make a couple calls. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Thanks so much, and uh, I guess that's it. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Josiah Venture Stories. For more information about who we are and our vision and mission, visit us at josiahventure.com and follow us on social media. If you have any questions about this episode or like to get in touch with our guest, please email social at josiahventure.com. To help more people hear about this podcast, please leave us an honest written review or share this episode on your social media. Thank you, friends, and have a blessed day.